Good to see you again. I'm still in the book of Acts. I don't know where you are. <laughs> Remember, uh, what was it, uh, about oh, five or six weeks ago? I, I taught a couple of weeks, and we were looking at the book of Acts, and I ended with uh, Paul's missionary journeys, and we just went through the three missionary journeys. The pastor asked me if I would, if I would teach in his absence this week, and I said, I'd love to. He said, you're going to continue in the book of Acts? And I said, probably. Uh, it's easier doing that than it is trying to come up with something new for one week. So what I want to do this morning is continue where we were before in the book of Acts and look specifically at some things that the Apostle Paul went through on his missionary journeys. Now, if you weren't with us five or six weeks ago when we had those couple of weeks in the book of Acts, let me just give you a little refresher on, on what has gone on. Um, if you'll turn to the book of Acts, we'll be looking at some passages there. But uh, when the book of Acts starts, um, in the first verse it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles, he had chosen. I'm going to give you a little review, but I'm also going to ask you some questions so that you can help get your mind to get in gear and, and working as well. Remember who I said Theophilus was? Maybe I didn't tell you who Theophilus was. Good. Good silence there because I really didn't commit myself on Theophilus. Remember I said some people think that he could be an actual person? Remember that I said some people think that it was just a greeting in general? to believers in Christ or lovers of Christ. The word Theophilus actually means a lover of Christ or beloved of Christ. So I really didn't identify who Theophilus was. And the reason I didn't is because, I, honestly, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Uh, but he, he makes the connection back to the book of Luke. And that's how we surmise then that the book of Acts, the author of the book of Acts, is Luke. So he wrote the book of Luke, and then he wrote the book of Acts, which followed. Um, he starts with Jesus his, his, uh, rehearsing the, the last days on earth that Jesus had with his, with his disciples, who then became apostles. You remember what definition I made between disciples, the difference in disciples and apostles? Anybody remember? Oh, boy, it's been five weeks. <laughs> yes. Okay, we are all called to be disciples, but not everyone is an apostle. Okay. Okay. Apostles have leadership qualities that we all don't have. So we can't be apostles, but we can be disciples. Basically, what I, what I sort of defined it as is that an apostle is a called one. A disciple is a follower. And we're all to be disciples of Christ. Um, so we're going through now the last 
days that Jesus had on earth, he's talking to his disciples, and uh, he tells them that what he wants them to do is spread the word of the gospel, the good news. And he tells them that there, there are, I'm going to just say, three distinct locations that he gives them directions to go to. Remember what they were. The first was right here at home. What did we call that? Where were they located? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And then he said you're to go out of Jerusalem into... Come on, you all know this. Judea and Samaria. And then the third place to the uttermost part of the earth. To the uttermost part of the earth. So we're going to spread this gospel now. We're going to start here in our homeland. And we're going to take it out to our neighboring communities. And then we're going to take it out to the uttermost part of the earth. Um, We're starting in... Well, we've started (laughs) in uh, where? Brownstown? Have we always been in Brownstown? Was somebody in Brownstown? Yeah. So we're in Brownstown. Now we're moving our location to Trenton. But that's our, that's our home base. That's our Jerusalem. We're going to be Trenton, Brownstown, this area here. And then we're to go out into other communities and spread the word. And then we're to go to, could I say China? Where's our pastor today? He's in China. He's helping to teach and to spread the word to the uttermost part of the earth. So we have the same commission that that Jesus gave to his 12 disciples. We're to do exactly the same thing. Then we find that they're all assembled in Jerusalem because that's where Jesus told them to go and wait until he would send the Holy Spirit. So we then find that on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down in a visible manifestation made himself clearly known to the, to the disciples, to the followers. Remember I told you, there were more than just the twelve there. You remember some of the other people I told you who were there in the room when the, when the Holy Spirit came down? Maybe that's asking too much. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. A couple of other Marys. Tells us in the book of Acts some of the people that were there. But... When they, were, when they were all assembled there in this room and the Holy Spirit came down, we today view that as the beginning of the church. So now we're looking at the church as a community, as Brother Matt so aptly put it, the church as a community, and they're working together then to spread the Word of God. First in Jerusalem, Samaria, and Judea, to the uttermost part of the earth. And they were very successful. Very successful. Because they relied not on themselves, but on the power of the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Ghost. So, we see then, as we go down to, uh, well, we, we, we find basically that the outline for the book of Acts is given there in the, in the, the seventh and eighth verse of chapter one, where we looked at Judea as being the, or Jerusalem as being the, the first area, and chapters three through six basically cover 
what goes on in Jerusalem. And then we have Judea and Samaria, chapter 7 through 12. It covers what happens there. And then chapter 13 spreads out to the, and the following, spreads out to the, the uttermost part of the earth. And uh, we find that as the disciples, as the apostles are now located in Jerusalem, and they're preaching the word, the primarily preaching the word to the Jews, to the Jewish people who were gathered together in Jerusalem. Uh, they were there for the Feast of the Passover, and, and there were Jews from all around the world, basically, the known world at that time, who had assembled for the feast. And uh, Peter, when he preached his sermon that we looked at in the earlier service this morning, was preaching to an assembly of Jewish people who, who spoke many different tongues. But the Holy Spirit gave Peter the power to communicate with them by when he spoke, they heard in their own language. Don't ask me to explain that. If you ask me that question, I'll refer you to Pastor Matt. Let him explain that to you. But they, they, they heard in their own language. And as a result of that sermon that he preached, we, we, we saw that there were 3,000 people who were saved that day. Um, then Peter, the other apostles, were taking the word out into the various communities, and they basically were, were preaching in the synagogues because that's where the Jews assembled. Well, Peter, in his sermon, really pointed the finger at the Jews and said, you're the ones that killed Christ. He's, he's dead because you killed him. And basically he was telling the truth. Well, many of the Jews believed and accepted Christ. Many did not. And those who did not then became, oh, should I say, thorns in the flesh to, to Peter and the other disciples. Uh, there was a lot of bickering going on. And uh, they were trying to, well, let me just put it simply. They were trying to get rid of Peter and the other Jesus people because they, 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 didn't, they didn't want to hear that. Remember that I told you there were Pharisees, Sadducees, who were the religious rulers. They were the, the, the ruling body, the Sanhedrin. There were 71 members of the Sanhedrin. They were Pharisees and, and Sadducees, and we went over a little bit about what they believe. Um, they basically wanted to get rid of anyone who would preach the gospel, preach Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and risen, and coming again. They, 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 didn't, they didn't want that to be. They wanted to hold on to tradition, the Torah, the law. Uh, but the Holy Spirit was at work in the hearts and the minds and the lives of the apostles and the people who believed. And as they then came to the Lord and grew in number, uh, the work just progressed astoundingly fast. Now, we're talking about the middle of the first century here, almost 2,000 years ago. But there's no reason today, 2,000 years later, that we can't have that same kind of effect on our community. If we would simply rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, let Him work in our lives and our hearts in such a way that 
he would have the freedom to move and to affect men. We, we give ourselves totally over to the work of the Lord, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us. We could see that kind of growth today. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to have to be the first to tell you that I'm not so sure I would be really happy if we added 3,000 people to our church today. I, the reason is, I, I would rejoice because they're, they're on their way to heaven, but in all that we've been going through with this building that we've acquired, and we're, we're, we're working into it, and, and we're looking forward to moving into it on uh, February the 3rd, what if all of a sudden we had to accommodate another 3,000 people? <laughs> Get my point? Yeah, you know, I'm, I, I would be happy that we have, we have reached those people for eternity, but I'm not so sure I'd be... I might arrange to be gone on, on February the 3rd. <laughs> I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Anyway, we're back now with the work going on in Jerusalem. We have people who are being saved. We go up through chapter 6. We get into chapter 7, 8, and 9. We find that the, the apostles now are starting to spread out into Judah and Samaria and other people are starting to be saved. And basically, the message is still going to the Jewish people. To the Jewish people. And then we find that Peter has a, a, a session with a man named Cornelius, who is a Gentile. And Cornelius accepts the Lord as his Savior. And as far as we know, this is the first Gentile convert um, in history. Cornelius, under the, under the work of Peter, the apostle. Um, and then we find that there's a little bit of a problem going on with some of the believers. Uh, there's a little bickering going on. There's a lot of bickering going on with the Pharisees, Sadducees, and the believers. But uh, they work through it. They work through it. Sometimes they're put in jail and they spend a night or two in jail. Sometimes they're beat. Sometimes they're run out of town. But they work their way through it. There's nothing that, that is too tough for them so to speak, because they believe, because they believe. And as we believe, we can find the same thing. Do I want to spend the night in jail tonight? No, I really don't. But if it meant spending the night in jail or, or giving up my faith, I would gladly spend the night in jail. And I'm sure the majority of you feel the same way. Uh, many times they had no choice. They were just taken, drugged to jail, and that's where they spent the night. Well, we get on into chapter 8, 9. We find that uh, the word is going forth now. And then when we get over to chapter 12, 13, we see the Apostle Paul come on the scene. He's been, he's been remember the, the encounter that he had with Christ on the Damascus Road, his salvation. And then he disappeared off the scene for a while. And then he came back and we go over to chapter number 12, and in chapter 12, we find that uh, the church in Antioch, those who had been scattered by the persecution, were chapter, verse 11, I mean, chapter 11, verse 19, very sorry, chapter 11, verse 19, now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. Remember now, Greeks 
are synonymous with Gentiles, Greeks and Gentiles. We're basically just talking non-Jewish people when we say Greek or Gentile. So, and, and that affects us because if we're not Jewish, we're Gentile. And today, we're believers in Christ. We all have that in common. So, they're speaking to Greeks, also telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. During this time, some prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. They came down and... and, and they let them know that there was going to be a time of great famine. The church decided that there were some things that they could do to help. So they, they took a, a, a collection, and they were going to send it out to the churches in Syria so that they could help during this time of distress that they were going to have. And that's one of the things that we heard this morning in our, in our sermon, that we, we, we are to share. When we know there are needs that exist with other believers, we're supposed to do all that we can to share. Well, this is what they were doing back in the first century. Um, then we find that Barnabas and Saul are commissioned by the church to take a trip, a missionary trip. We call this Paul's first missionary journey. And if I don't click the computer too many times, I should be able to get this. For those of you who are sitting way over here, I'm, I'm sorry that we lost this screen. Um, they needed the projector for another Sunday school class, and I said, well, I, I think we can probably get away with maybe just doing one. I hope you can see well enough that it's not going to be a lot, although it's sort of small. So this is where we get Paul's, or this is where Paul goes, I should say, on his first missionary journey. Now, remember I told you as we were looking at this five or six weeks ago, that uh, their primary mode of transportation was what? Foot. Foot. Other than the time that were, they were sailing around the blue, they were on a boat. Of course, they didn't walk on the water. But they were sailing, and they started in Antioch, Syrian Antioch, which is right up here on the right side of the screen for you. They go down to the island of Cyprus, from there, they go up to Perga, Pamphylia area. Then they go up to Pisidian, Antioch, another city with the name Antioch. Then they go over to Iconium, Lystra, and Derbe. Back to Lystra, back to Iconium, Antioch, and then back to uh, Antioch in Syria. Uh, there was a very important event that happened. Well, there were important events that happened in all the cities. But do you remember what I told you happened in Lystra? When the Apostle Paul was preaching in Lystra, there was a, a major problem there. Do you remember what it was? Somebody surely remembers. Dissension among the Jews resulting in the stoning of Paul in Lystra. Paul was stoned, drug out of town, 
I believe dead. The Bible does not specifically say that he was dead. But I, I believe he was dead. Drug out of town, a group of believers, it said, were gathered around him and he rose up. Well, you know, it doesn't also say in the Bible what that group of believers were doing, but I think what they were doing is they were praying. I really believe that they were praying for the Apostle Paul, his spirit, to be commended unto heaven. And the Apostle Paul just rose up from the dead. Do you find that hard to believe? Yes? No? Maybe? Have you ever seen anyone... No, we haven't seen that. Have you ever heard of anyone rising from the dead? Jesus Christ did, did he not? If it were not from his resurrection from the dead, where would we be today? The Apostle Paul, I believe, when he was stoned in Lystra, died, arose from the dead, carried on his journey. He went from there down to the town of Derbe. And... Derby was basically the termination point of his, his uh, missionary journey, except that he wanted to go back and visit the churches that he had already been to, which means that he turns around and goes back to Lystra, the place where he was just stoned and left for dead. He goes back to Lystra, goes back to Iconium, Antioch, Perga, sails back to Antioch of Syria. And this completes his, his first missionary journey. Then he and Barnabas stay there in, in uh, Antioch, Syrian Antioch, for a period of time, working in the church, teaching the, the, the Christians there in Antioch. And then they decide they're going to go on another missionary journey, second missionary journey. But uh, Paul and Barnabas have a little problem here. And that is on their first missionary journey, they took with them a young man by the name of John Mark. And when they reached Perga, which is on the mainland after Cyprus, John Mark, for some reason, left them and went back to Jerusalem. We don't know the reason why. I'm sure there was probably a good reason, but we're, we're just, we don't know that. But uh, as Paul and Barnabas then were, were planning their second missionary journey, which was to go back and visit the churches that they had established on their first journey. Uh, a little dissension arose among the two, and that was that Barnabas wanted to take John Mark with them, and Paul said, no, he left us on the first missionary journey, and I don't want him to go with us again. So there was a little problem there, and, and Paul prevailed. Barnabas said, okay, if John Mark can't go, I'm not going either. Barnabas, or, uh, Paul said, okay, that's fine. And he took Silas with him when they started on their second missionary journey. And the second missionary journey, they started from the same place, Antioch. This time they went across land, across land, and they went into Derby, Lystra, Iconium, those towns. And you'll see that up above in bold print, it says Galatia. This is the area of Galatia. All these towns were there. So that when we get through the book of Acts and go into the, the other books that we have there, we, we find the epistles of uh, Paul. There's a book called Galatians. And the book that he wrote, Galatians, is to those churches in Lystra and Derbe and Iconium and uh, Antioch. 
So we have the New Testament, not just a, a bunch of disjointed books, but books that start to come together then, seeing that, you know, where, where, where did the churches come from in Galatia that Paul wrote to? Well, these were the churches that he established on his first missionary journey. And now he's writing a letter to them to encourage them. Now he's going back again to revisit those churches. So he goes down and he goes to Syria. He goes to Derbe, Lystra. He goes through Phrygia and Galatia. He goes to Troas. And, and in Lystra, when he gets there, the second missionary journey, he's joined by a young man by the name of Timothy. Timothy. Later we find a book that Paul has written to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. This is the young man that joined him on his second missionary journey when he was in the town of Lystra. They go on down, then they're, they're proceeding in a westward direction. Um, they go over to uh, Troas. When they get to Troas, uh, Luke joins them. Luke, the author of the book of Acts, the author of the book of Luke, actually joins Paul and Silas on their second missionary journey. Um, I want you to notice uh, a change of, well, not right where it changes, but turn over with me, if you would, in the book of Acts to chapter 16. Chapter 16, this is where Timothy joins Paul and Silas. Um, and then he goes on down. They go from there into Macedonia. They go to Philippi. Philippi is way up at the top of the screen up there, number 12. It might be a little easier to see the 12 than it would be to identify Philippi. But they're up there now in Macedonia. This is where Lydia is converted. This is where uh, Paul and Silas are put into prison and uh, where they have the encounter with the Philippian jailer that we heard about earlier this morning that you know very well. Um, but they're, they're going along there. But when we get down to chapter 16, verse 17, Luke writes, Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Now, he's changed his, his manner of writing, his style of writing, to a first-person narrative. Before, it was always Paul did this and, and they, they did this. Now he's saying we when we were going to the place of prayer. And we know that Luke joined them back in Troas, and now they are, they are traveling together. And uh, so Luke is, is writing from a first-person perspective. He, he actually experienced these things with the Apostle Paul and uh, with Silas and with Timothy and others as well later on. But uh, we see that they're going on down through. He goes to, to Philippi. Uh, from there, they go on through Macedonia, Amphipolis, uh, Apollonia, Thessalonica, which is another one of the cities, number 15 up there on the map, 15, Thessalonica, another book that we have from our New Testament. So all these things now, again, rather than being just disjointed books in the New Testament or cities that are somewhere, we can see that everything fits together. There's a, there's a plan. There's, it, it, it all makes sense. And as you study the New Testament, if you keep in mind that everything that we're talking about, everything that you read in here, all is, is one narrative and not a bunch of little disjointed things. 
it'll help you to understand much, much more. Uh, there they go on to Berea, then they go to Athens over in chapter 17, verse uh, 16. While Paul was in Athens waiting for the others to join him there, uh, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Now, let me, let me draw your attention back to your mind for just a minute, your memory from just last week. Let's see if we can remember what happened last week. Pastor was preaching a message last week, and he, he referenced Paul being in the city of Athens and, and what he was doing there and what he did there. And he, he challenged the philosophers of Athens with the fact that he was, when he was walking through the city, he saw this idol to the unknown God. Does that trigger any, any thought in your mind? The idol to the unknown God? And then further went on to explain who this unknown God that they thought was, in fact, the God of heaven, and uh, used that to witness to the men there in, in Athens. Um, very, very interesting things going on here. After he left Athens, he went down to Corinth. Corinth is number 18 on the map, number 18. From there, he then sailed over to Ephesus, stopped there just very shortly, and then went on down to Caesarea, and then wound up in Jerusalem, which is down the bottom right-hand corner of the map. And, and this concludes then his second missionary journey. And I don't know for sure. He, he did a lot of sailing on that journey, but he also did a lot of footwork, <laughs> fancy footwork. There's a possibility that some occasions he was riding an animal of some sort, maybe a donkey, maybe a camel, I don't know. Uh, it, it's just maybe he rode on a cart that was pulled by a donkey or a camel. I, I, I don't know. But I know the primary means of transportation was, was foot. In the second missionary journey, he probably covered roughly 1,200 miles. 1,200 miles or so by foot. Well, that's a long way to go. I, I asked you five weeks ago, how many of you would be willing to leave your car in a parking lot and walk home from church today? That's a long way to go, you know. I live two miles down the road there. I'd, <laughs> why should I leave my car and walk when I can take my car? Well, we really have it pretty easy today. We have a lot of... No, I won't, I won't go there. Never mind. Everyone, drive home from church today. Don't walk. Take your car with you. You'll need it next week. So, second missionary journey, now we've covered almost 1,200 land miles. And then all the, all the sailing as well on, on vessels. Then we get into the third missionary journey and, and Paul's last missionary journey. What does that say? Five till? Seven till? Twelve o'clock. Five minutes. Paul's third missionary journey, he again takes off from Antioch in Syria, goes up through Galatia, through those same places that he has been before. He goes over into Ephesus, and he spends three years at Ephesus teaching and preaching the Word of God. Remember now that when we started talking about Paul's missionary journeys, we're talking about spreading the Word of the Gospel to not the Jewish people, but to the Greeks or the Gentiles. So now the people that are being added to the church and the churches that are being established are non-Jewish churches. 
However, there are Jewish believers that are members of those churches. They come together not as Jews or Gentiles, but they come together as Christians. Um, a very prominent, and I told you this five weeks ago, and I hope somebody has, has looked into it a little bit, but a very prominent thread that runs through the, the book of Acts is something that is called the way. The way. When they talked about the gospel, they talked about Jesus Christ. They talked about the way to Jesus Christ. And the, the group of believers then, the whole body, when I say group, I mean all this whole map, they, they, they were generally known as people who followed the way, the way to Christ. Um, even uh, on one occasion in the... In the um, book of Acts where Paul was talking to King Agrippa. King Agrippa said, I, I know the way. He said, but you're trying to persuade me to become a follower. And uh, Paul had this discourse with Agrippa. But nonetheless, they're the way. Now, they are all believers and they are all part of the way. So he goes on Macedonia, back down to the places he's visited before. Corinth, he goes back up to Troas and down to Samos to Potara, down to Tyre and back, makes his way back to Caesarea and then back to um, Jerusalem. Um, all this took place, all this took place primarily because God ordained it before the foundation of the earth. God knew what was going to happen. God sat down with his, or I, I, I'll use the phrase, sat down with his son and, and the spirit. I, I don't know whether they sat down or whether they stood and had this discussion about what's going to happen in eternity future. But they, they, God knew that after he created man, man was going to fall. Man needed some kind of a redeemer. So the redeemer was going to be Jesus Christ, God himself, the son who was going to come pay the penalty, he would be the way for them to be able to be relieved of the penalty of sins for their death. That we might be relieved from the penalty of sins for, penalty of death from our sins. Let me get those two in the right order. This was all foreordained before the beginning of the world. God chose you. God chose me that we might be believers in him that we might have eternal life to spend an eternity with him in heaven don't ask me to explain that either I can only accept it by faith God loved me so much that he sent his son to die in my place God loved you so much that he sent his son to die in your place what we have to do is accept it by faith the apostle Paul was commissioned with the task of taking this to the uttermost part of the earth. Now, we're not on that map. We're a long way from that map. But the gospel has spread here. We have it available to us today. We as disciples, as followers of Christ, have the same commission that the first century disciples had to take this word then to the uttermost part of the earth. Our pastor this morning is in China someplace tonight for him or last night. I'm not sure which. Uh, but at any rate, he's in China spreading this gospel. As we 
in our lives have the opportunity to not necessarily travel to foreign lands, but as we have opportunity to speak to other people, people that we work with, people that we meet in the supermarket, people that we... They're, they're just thousands, millions of people. We, we may not come into contact with them all, but the ones that we do, it's our task to help spread the word of the gospel. Follow in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul. And by that, I mean, don't necessarily go out and walk a thousand miles, but wherever you go, whoever you meet, whoever you come into contact with, share with them the good news of the gospel. Because we still have millions of people on on the earth today that need to hear the message of Jesus Christ. I'm amazed at the, the things that go on today in the world that are instantly known around the world because of the media that we have today. Boy, if the Apostle Paul could have sat in Antioch, recorded his sermons in front of a, a sky cam and, and let it be seen, would have saved him a lot of walking, but I don't think it necessarily would have saved him from a lot of blessings. Today, be a disciple. Be an active disciple. Do your best to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And you don't have to sit in through any more sessions on Acts with me. That's my final one. Thank you. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for this time that you've given us this morning to look at the life of the Apostle Paul, the missionary journeys that he took, the word as he was able to spread the word of the gospel throughout the uttermost part of the earth. We just thank you, Father, that uh, we're a part of that and help us to realize that we all have work to do, that we need to be busy about your work because you loved us and because we love you. We thank you for the opportunity. Help us to grasp it every time it pops up. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.